welcome to the re-eval brought to you by the Children's Rehabilitation Institute Teleton USA. Hey, this is Laura. And this is Natalie. We're two therapists who work at CRIT, the Children's Rehabilitation Institute Teleton USA. We wanted to provide the community with an outlet for their stories and resources and for families they may not have access or know how to begin. We hope that through these interviews, we can continue to serve our families and the pediatric therapy community with knowledge and education from a distance. Join us as we speak with some of our patients and their families about their diagnosis and discuss how CRIT has helped them navigate their unique challenges. Thanks for listening. On this episode, we're going to be interviewing three guests, including physical therapist Jose Ponce and his perspective on the change from uh, in-clinic to telehealth. Um, some parents of Ryan, Juan, and Desiree on their transition on a hybrid program of both in-clinic and telehealth services and the obstacles that they had with doing that with a toddler, as well as Sammy and her mom Priscilla on their exclusive telehealth services and what they've done to remain creative during their sessions at home. This episode was recorded in the month of October. Please keep in mind that things may have changed since this time. You are listening to the Re-Eval brought to you by CRIT. Hey guys, today on the show we have Dr. Physical Therapy Jose Ponce joining us. Thanks so much, Jose. Thanks for having me. Welcome, welcome. So um, we're talking a little bit about the transition from telehealth to in-clinic, or I guess vice versa, right? Back, uh, let's rewind a little bit to... March of 2020, when everything started to change, you know, we kind of knew that um, things were starting to close. And honestly, for me, I think the biggest eye opener was that the NBA closed down, right? We were like, oh my gosh, things are, you know, really happening. We're going to have to make a change here at CRIT as well. And um, for myself personally, I was like 38 weeks pregnant and um, knew that I was very soon going to have my baby. So I don't really know what that was going to mean for me, but we ended up shutting down Cricks. We had to assess what we were going to do um, as a facility to continue to provide our services for our patients, right? So um, we took about a week off to kind of assess where we were and kind of make that transition into telehealth. Um, but then, as you know, I had my baby, so I wasn't here for that first week. And I kind of, I mean, honestly had like a little bit of FOMO and I kept on texting y'all and I was like, hey, what's going on? How is this? How are our patients? And despite knowing that, you know, of course all the patients were in good hands, I just was very, you know, worried. I didn't know if they were going to make that progress or if things were kind of going to get dusted under and, and we weren't sure where, where this was leaving us. So where do you feel? How was that hardest or what was the hardest part for you when you made that transition from in clinic to telehealth? I mean, it was a big, what if, uh, that what if question is like, what if I teach a parent to do something and they do it wrong? What if the patient does not pay attention during my session? There was a lot of what ifs. Um, and what I can tell you is that, I mean, the entire staff here really put their heads together and rocked it. We put together a bunch of educational material internally that consisted of do's and don'ts during telemedicine and what to do in these situations. And everybody collaborated so well that yeah, that first week was a bit of a transition. The first two weeks, I would say, were a bit of a transition, not only for therapists, but for parent. I mean, we heard a lot of, oh, I'm so tired. Now I recognize that what you guys do is so hard. Oh, uh, you know, th this is much more challenging than, and, than I anticipated. And I can really feel whether my kid or my kid is or isn't participating. Definitely. So there was a lot of that. Um, so we, we kind of learned together, parents and therapists, you know, and, and, you know, there was a lot of refining instruction, refining 
you know, visual demonstration through our, our um, medium that we're using, which is Microsoft Teams. So there was a lot of screen sharing and a lot of using teddy bears for, uh, you know, uh, demonstration of what to do with their kids. And so it was a big transition, but I can say it was a great learning experience that definitely moving forward is setting us up for success. I think that we've become a lot more resourceful, a lot more um, able to think on our toes and, and really make things that we do as therapists that may seem very complicated, make those things simpler yet as effective for the, for the kids while they're receiving that therapy at home. Definitely. I mean, a couple months in now just doing it in clinic versus telehealth, I feel like for me it's made me better at... Um, just giving instruction, I feel like in the clinic I get really distracted with certain things and a lot of the instruction can kind of be jumbled around, but when you're on the computer you have to be very clear and concise because it's not going to, you know, it's not going to come out the way you want and then you don't know how they're going to be positioning a patient and you really want to make sure that it's as safe as possible and you're able to get as, um, as much as you can out of that session through um, the computer rights. It's completely different. Um, but like I said, whenever I was gone, I was gone for three months, um, I was able to see and really notice some patients that were specifically like strictly telehealth. And I was just so surprised. Um, and I guess that's bad to say, I don't know. I was really surprised to see so much progress within the three months that I was gone. Almost more progress I felt like than in the clinic because at times um, you're not given that five days a week these parents didn't exactly know what to do or feel comfortable with the positioning and um, some of the stuff that we were doing in clinic but now that they're have to doing you know they're forced to do it in the house they like you said became super resourceful um, and comfortable in what they were doing so I felt like I saw a ton of progress for some patients that I just didn't expect um, at all do you feel the same way oh absolutely there's there's a, a bunch of of patients that I can say that happened with. And I think ultimately it's attributed to parents' confidence improving, evolving, and those parents being more consistent because they trusted themselves Definitely. to work with their child. Because we have to understand that parents are with their children 24 seven, but they're not their child's therapist 24 seven. You know, that's where we come in. So, uh, you know, for that one to two, three hours a week, you know, they, they're like, oh, you're doing therapy with Jose or with Laura. But now I'm doing the therapy with you. And there, after that transition period occurred, you started seeing these patients flourish. I mean, you're in your home environment. Where do you think you're going to be most successful if you're working for activities of daily living than if you're working in those activities at home with your parent whose hands you know, whose words you know? You know, so um, ultimately it, it really reflected well for a lot of our kids that to have that that uh, confidence instilled in their in their caregivers and, you know, having that consistency. Yeah, and I, I know we've discussed this before, but I felt like it was almost um, a way for some of these parents to kind of get their mind off what's going on in the pandemic. We're stuck in doing the exact same thing in quarantine. You get bored. Um, I mean, you can't really do much, especially with these high-risk um, patients. And so for a couple of the moms, they would tell me like, hey, seeing my child progress is really getting me through this week. Or um, when y'all teach me new things, it kind of gives me like a little bit of homework and just kind of keeps your mind off what's going on outside because it's been pretty crazy. Um, do you feel like there were any particular patients that benefited during telehealth um, diagnosis-wise or level of function? I wouldn't say diagnosis or level of function specific. I, again, I just want to really tie it back into I think the parents is where where, where that growth occurred. And I think, uh, you know, because everyone's, everyone's level of success is different. 
you know, somebody who's a little bit more impaired. Maybe, you know, lifting their head up or sitting up is a huge thing to accomplish versus somebody who's maybe ambulatory, you know, refining their gait pattern or whatever. So I think everybody's victories were different, but that didn't change the magnitude of them. I really do think where, where the victories happened is, again, those parents and those caregivers being able to really uh, grasp those concepts of therapy and how effective or how not effective certain things were. And uh, inherently that consistency just really took care of things um, in that front. So I wouldn't say a specific diagnosis or anything like that, you know, but I do think that those victories did occur at, at, you know, at different levels with those kids. Yeah, for sure. I know um, you briefly touched about it, but um, just having like consistency and care. Um, I do feel like one of the biggest challenges for me when I came back was just kind of being creative um, with the supplies the parents may have had. Like, I mean, here in the clinic, we have all the tools you need, bolsters, wedges, all of the above. Um, but these supplies, I mean, if you look them up, are super expensive. And so it's not something that we generally recommend unless, you know, they they can, you know, make that cost. Um, but where did you find yourself whenever you were like that first couple of weeks? What are some things that you would recommend um, as a tool for a, a patient or a parent? Yeah, totally. I mean, again, as therapists on the regular, we would be pre, pre-COVID, we were like, well, why don't you use a couple of pillows? Or, well, why don't you do this? And it was always like, well, do it. But you never really saw it attempted or executed. Mm-hmm. So I think telemedicine opened up that door to their home and we were really able to see, okay, show me what you got. Show me what you got. This is, you know, I would describe, I need something firm. I need something this size, this height. Show me what you have. And, you know, it ended up being sometimes a diaper box that became a step up, you know, like a step up for box sure. for somebody. Or it could have been a chair that became a table for them to put their, their arms on when they were on their knees. It could have been broomsticks used as hurdles. Yeah. <laughs> it could have been pool noodles. It's, I mean, it's been an ongoing thing of just show me what you have and we will make it happen. You know, some parents have... Uh, you know, more things lying around the house than others and you just use what's available. And I think having that access to their home really kind of gave us that little nudge in the direction of like, okay, let's figure it out. Because I tell you as a therapist, use pillows. Oh, and as a parent, sometimes you maybe could be like, oh yeah, I'll use it. You know, I'll, I'll find something. And then you go home and you don't. So I think telehealth opened that door and really made us execute in that front and really, you know, helped us use whatever's available for DIY therapy. So... I like that DIY therapy. Um, I know going along with that there, I mean, after this, we've had a student come by and she actually did a telehealth um, in-service for one of our things. And I think I really appreciated one of her things was a like in your home scavenger hunt. Let's see what you have. Kind of like you said, like, what's in your home? What can we use for your therapy? And I feel like when I came in three months after, I still had, I mean, on most of my patients were like established. They had their home exercise program. They were ready to go. But there were those few that just weren't there yet. And so it was something really handy for me to use. Um, to figure out, like you said, they're opening us into their home. We got to figure out what's going on and, and what's best that we can use for them at that time. So um, I really appreciated that handout and it was really helpful for me. Um, but for a therapist perspective, like say it's someone like me who was gone for three months or maybe it's someone that's just graduated, um, what would you recommend they do to kind of um, prepare for a telehealth experience for therapy? I don't think it's something that's usually taught in school. I mean, obviously now people are starting to get that, um, not really hands-on, you can't call it hands-on learning, but um, starting to get that experience with telehealth, but not all of them do. They may be hired onto something that has that. What would you tell them? 
I mean, uh, at the end of the day, therapy is therapy. It's just a matter of what are your goals? What are you trying to achieve? Um, and, you know, on a case-by-case -case basis, ultimately we have to do is be creative, be resourceful. That's, that's my main advice for the therapist is trying to, you know, barely start telemedicine is be creative uh, and also be honest with yourself and, you know, you're not going to be the most successful all the time. Don't try to, don't try to, you know, measure yourself on, as a therapist, you know, on the effectiveness of your treatments in clinic. Create a whole new, um, you know, a new, whole new bar for yourself with telemedicine because it's completely different because it's, it's tailored more towards that education, towards, you know, um, uh, having these, these patients do the things in their home environment. So I feel like a lot of the times as a therapist initially, I find myself kind of saying, oh, am I, am I doing, you know, the, the job that I could be doing with my hands on this patient? And the answer is no, but it's different. You have to, you have to live with it. And, you know, and I think we adjusted with that. And I think that in itself helped us grow in areas that we were, we weren't growing in the clinic. Uh, so again, there's victories there. And as a therapist, it's, it's about having that mindset. Um, to, to know that telemedicine is a whole different ballgame. For sure. I mean, for me personally, it was just reminding myself to continuously ask parents, are you okay with this handling? Are you um, comfortable? Is your back okay? I mean, because again, they're not therapists. They're not used to this. They're not in like therapy shape, so to say. They're not used to doing this, you know, for 40 minutes a session. So making sure um, parents were okay with what we're doing. And also just kind of, you said, you know, um, setting new goals, like this is what you're doing through telehealth. And this person may have like six goals to do, but let's just focus on these two so it's not overwhelming on anybody and we have a successful session. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, it's been something that I think we've totally grown as a facility and I, I think it's just another tool in our tool belt, so to say. I, I really prefer to have in-clinic services, but I really feel like some of these other patients have done so well through telehealth and I'm appreciative that we were able to to make that transition and now that we're months in that it's going smoothly so I, I really really like that. Um, again this is Jose Ponce, our doctor of physical therapy, been here about six years. Thanks again for coming on. I really <laughs> appreciate your time because uh, I know you're super busy. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. No problem. Next on the show we're going to have parents of Ryan to discuss their transition to telehealth with the toddler, some of the struggles that they face. Thanks. When we come back from break, we'll hear a quick message from our lead of our COVID response team, Veronica Sullivan, on factors to consider when returning to clinic. This is the Re-Eval brought to you by CRIT. Hello and thank you all for listening in. Factors consider before returning to clinic from CRIT's perspective is that we relied on everyone's social responsibility to maintain their social distancing practices as well as hand sanitizing practices. Once they enter the building, we screen everybody for their temperature and see if they have any current symptoms of COVID-19 or if they have been directly exposed to COVID-19. We also ensure that everybody, including the caregivers and patients, are wearing masks. We limit the amount of people in our building to one caregiver and one patient per session per day. We also, throughout our facility, have hand sanitizers, social distancing stickers and reminders, and make sure that we provide all adequate hand sanitizer and soap and water for, at our hand washing stations. We provide our staff with proper PPE of masks, gowns, face shields, and gloves to protect them and their families. And last but not least, we have proper disinfecting and sanitizing procedures and allow time for this process to happen in between patients and therapists. 
Today, Natalie and I will be interviewing Juan and Desiree, parents of Ryan, on their experience with telemedicine with arthrogryposis multiplex congenita. As the COVID-19 pandemic continued to worsen, Crit had to find some ways to adjust their model of care and continue to serve their patients. So one way we did this was by offering telemedicine services. This included everything from physical therapy to counseling. Um, and initially, we were providing strict telehealth from mid-March to June 1st, but due to the closures in San Antonio as well for the safety of our patients. But as we tried to move forward, we noticed that telehealth just really wasn't the best fit for a lot of our patients. Um, so kind of came us to the question of like, what's best for your family, telehealth or in clinic. They're currently receiving a hybrid um, plan of care, so to say, so they are receiving both telehealth and in-clinic visits. Um, could you tell us a little bit about Ryan and his diagnosis? Um, so Ryan, his diagnosis is called AMC, which uh, is- Arthrogryposis, multiplex congenita. At first, we didn't know he had it until the day he was born. Um, that day was very emotional and a roller coaster because we didn't know what was going on at all. And Basically what it is, is um, his, he's affected in his joints. They don't move like the rest of ours. His joints are kind of in a fixed and stiff position. Um, as we went on, we learned more about it because we did our own little research to understand it. And of course, we weren't uh, going to find the right uh answer because there's multiple ways for a child to get it and as we went on learning with the next two to three months right uh, we understood it understood how he got it and understood why uh, he got it and for the most part we understood that his wasn't because of genetics his was just because it just happened which is one out of 3,000 kids. Um, I haven't been fortunate enough to work with Ryan, but I did speak to one of his therapists. And I mean, I've seen y'all here in the clinic. Um, and I'm just curious. I know y'all have been here for quite some time. You said that he was born with this um, diagnosis and y'all started here when he was about, what, two months, I think? He was actually, we went back and found all the paperwork and he was actually only three weeks at his first appointment. Wow. That was here at Crick? Yes. Yes, ma'am. How did y'all come across Crit? Um, it was actually while he was in the NICU at University Hospital. His um, doctor, Dr. Vandermeer, highly requested Crit, and she had told us that there was a really long wait list, so maybe we could just start with therapy only at home. We didn't expect a phone call within two weeks that he actually got in and was able to start the process. So that's how we got in when he was only three weeks. Well, we're super happy to have y'all here. So how did the pandemic initially limit your services when it first began? Oh, um, at the beginning, at first, we were able to go in clinic, but as soon as the pandemic uh, worsened, that's when they first brought in telehealth and mentioned it to us. Um, at first, we were doing one week telehealth, one week in clinic, and then it got to the point where uh, it was completely just telehealth. Um, telehealth was a challenge at first for Ryan. He was only uh, one and a half at the age when this all started. Uh, for toddlers, they're very observant, and for him to just be adjusting to uh, paying attention to a small little screen for his iPad, it was a bit of confusing because he got used to traveling, having his therapist in person to uh, 
help him get better. And then it just became a little screen. Instead, he, um, for his speech, actually, it wasn't very easy. Um, and then for a baby to pay attention to a screen, well, that's really much of a challenge for us. Because he would just like to look around at that point because, I mean, it's a small screen. Getting him to focus on yeah. what his therapist was telling him to do, um, it was just hard to get him to understand, like, no, yeah. you need to pay attention. Yeah, to this small little screen, not, well, not what's around you. Sure. Uh, we're just glad to be back in clinic so he can get that one-on-one like he needs. Yes. What other factors influenced your return to coming back to in clinic for Crit? Um, I think the main factor was that with his both- condition, you have to like um, it's a very important to continue increasing and in, like his stretching and stuff. And we don't have the tools at home to help him reach what he needs to. For instance, we're starting on standing, so he needs like that extra help and us not really having the equipment and or having the knowledge of how to exactly get him where he needs to be we thought, figured it was more important to get him back in clinic so to be with his therapist and since being back in clinic how has this experience changed since covid and all of this started um i would like to say that being being back in clinic was honestly a great start to for him especially since now he's he's learning to stand um because it gives the it gives a better opportunity for the therapist to figure out okay so this is what he needs to do at home so that us as his parents could attempt it to where he's constantly doing it every day or at least um every frequently on the weekdays at least because uh, like Desiree said, if we if we had to keep doing it on telehealth um, twice a week, we probably wouldn't. Yes, we wouldn't have. Uh, we would. We probably have not moved forward within his uh, standing experience so far. And for Ryan, he really loves to stand. He, of course, he can't do it for long, but um, as he had learned it, he loves to just to be up, and he just wants to constantly try to move around and uh, and just, like, like I said, he just constantly wants to just be up. He doesn't want to lay down no more. Do y'all have any words of advice for families who are trying to decide whether or not to turn, return back to in-clinic? The only, like, downfall, I guess, of it is, like, you're, the parent, both parents can't be there. For me and Ryan, us with Ryan, we always agreed to both be there. But, and, of course, I had to take the step back and just let his dad go and take him. Um, so it is challenging when you have to just let him go. But then you, at the end of it, you know it's better for him because they have all the equipment that he, the child needs to progress in whatever they're working on. Uh, and, of course, you are taking that risk of going out there. But I think uh, Kurt is doing a really good job keeping it um, as far as distance goes not allowing so many at once and then just uh, keeping the distance while you're in the gym, just being there. Yeah, we're super happy to have you back. Um, I, like I said earlier, we, Natalie or I haven't had the opportunity to personally work with Ryan, but I, you talked a lot about his standing and I just wanted to say he looks so great. We saw a picture of him on uh, the Teleton's Instagram actually. And he, you can just tell he loves standing. He looks like such a champ. 
Um, and since, since coming in here, because I think I've been here for about two years, um, so I saw him come in before, and you can just see the progress that he's made, even though um, I know initially you said that struggle with telehealth, you know, not having necessarily the skills or the equipment. Y'all did a really, really great job having him there. You can tell that he made some progress. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's going to be it. Thank you so much for your time, Juan and Desiree. We really, really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Y'all have a great day. You too. Bye. Next on the show, we'll be joined by Sammy and her mom, Priscilla, by telephone, talking about their experience with Strictly Telemedicine Services. You are listening to the Re-Eva, brought to you by Crit. So our next guest is someone who's really um, made the most of this pandemic at home, finding innovative ways to make significant progress with their therapy. That is going to be Miss Sammy. Um, Sammy, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, my name is Sammy, and I'm 10 years old. And fun fact, I love guinea pigs. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Oh, and my diagnosis is osteogenesis imperfecta type 3. Type 3, okay. So for those who may not know, what is osteogenesis imperfecta? Well, it means that my bones break very easily. And for example, if I sneeze, I sometimes break a rib. Oh my goodness. Um, could you, like, do you know how many times you've broken a bone or do you just like lose count? Uh, we lost count a long time ago. Oh wow. How does OI affect your day-to-day -day life? Well, I scoot on the ground. I don't use my wheelchair inside of the house. So basically, I just live on the ground. My bed is a mattress, which I kind of like because it's soft. And was pretty good. Um, so yeah, I was looking at some information and I was just really curious. Um, so according to the OII, uh, foundation. The actual number of people affected with OI in the U.S. is currently unknown. Um, the best estimate suggests about a minimum of 20,000 and as many as 50,000 affected. Um, it usually or will affect a person's collagen production, so obviously that's what's helping create stronger bones. Like you're saying, your bones can be brittle and, and break at times. Um, so when's the first time you heard about crit? When I was three. Three. Do you have any memories of like your first impression when you came in? No. No, you don't remember at all? I don't, I don't remember anything before five or four. Really? That's super funny. What about your mom? What are her first impressions of Crit when she came when you were three? Uh, the first impression we had was how welcoming everybody was. It hadn't even opened when we heard about it. We applied and uh, they were still doing construction and walkthroughs and tours of the building right before it opened and I had brought Sammy with me and we took a tour and um, spoke to some of the volunteers and people who worked there and decided that was a place that we wanted to get her into it seemed like a good option for her and we we're so excited when they said that she could be a patient there um, so we were there from day one. Oh, that's awesome you know I didn't know that um, and y'all are local here to San Antonio Yes, yes, we live in San Antonio, so it's really convenient to get there. That is amazing, yeah, because I know we have a lot of people that do travel quite a ways, so um, it was really fortunate for y'all to come in, especially even before, I remember when this place was getting constructed, same thing, we were coming by, and was just really excited to see, um, you know, such a large facility with so much available for, for kids, so I really like that. Uh -huh. 
Um, so obviously now, like as a super established patient, I'm sure y'all had some concerns when we had to really restructure our care due to the COVID-19 restrictions. Um, one thing I've learned through this pandemic is that many of us have been faced with difficult decisions to really adjust our life. And um, one of those decisions for your family included either continuing telehealth or coming into the clinic after we reopened our doors. Um, so when given the option to return to the clinic, what really determined the importance in staying home and participating in telehealth for y'all? Oh, well, we wanted Sammy to continue to build her strength because we knew she had an upcoming surgery and we really needed her to stay healthy because her surgery is important. And, um, you know, we had to book airplane flights and go out of state and it was a big deal and she needed to stay healthy to get there even. Um, so that was a big factor. No, it makes total, total and we sense. Could, you know, had this telehealth option, um, cause otherwise we would have to discontinue service for a while. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, what obstacles did you face in like creating an at-home gym or did y'all pretty much have everything ready to go for her? Um, we had a lot of things left over, like an exercise ball and um, some different support things like the UPSI. Um, so we had a lot of things that we could work with. So Daniel just had to help us think of creative ways to do it and how to how to utilize it in our home. For those who do not know, Daniel's one of our physical therapists here in the clinic. He does amazing stuff, and I'm super excited that he continues to progress Sammy through this time in telemedicine. And Crit has so many um, equipment and toys and things that the kids really enjoy using. So we had to think of some ways that Sammy would enjoy using the exercise equipment we had at home. So thankfully, Daniel's really creative. <laughs> what What is one of the most creative things y'all had to do? Um, what do you think? Was it using the mat outside? Sammy had gotten a in the summer a uh, like a, a waterbed type mat for outside in the yard to play with. We filled it with water, and it kind of wobbled. That is the waterbed, and Daniel helped her use that outside during therapy to do quadruped and core strengthening. Uh, so she would do some fun exercises out there on that. That sounds like so much fun. I want to see what this little waterbed thing looks like. It sounds like something I want in my yard for sure. <laughs> Um, other than that, what goal, and I guess this might be a question for Sammy, what is one goal that she felt like she's met through this experience in telehealth? So what did you conquer? What goals did you meet? You met a lot. Really? <laughs> Anything you want, Sammy? Uh, I used to not be able to write good. No, with Daniel during telehealth. Oh, Daniel. Mm -hmm. Well, we accomplished standing up for like two minutes. Oh my gosh. So it was really good. Mm -hmm. That is super awesome. I really love hearing your progress. I know we used to work together and it was really a struggle. Do you remember when you couldn't even get yourself up on the steps and now you can go up and down? Uh-huh. That was a big accomplished goal. Yeah. Yeah. That is awesome. That is really, really, really good to hear. I love to hear that. Um, I know, I mean, I know you're doing really a great job in, in your telehealth and like home setting, but you're spunk for sure. And you're, we really miss your dance moves here in the clinic. Um, but what would you say is something that you miss the 
most about your in-clinic experience? I love swimming and I got to meet a lot of new people there. Yeah, we haven't, we haven't been in the pool in a long time. Yeah, no, we do miss you in the pool. I, and then honestly, the pool has really just, I felt like, um, helping meet a lot of the goals because you're not using as much of your weight, right? The, the water is able to um, help support you. So you're able to do a lot more fun stuff without really worrying about, like you're saying, like breaking a bone or falling down. Like you have that water there for you. Um, were you all able to get out anywhere and do a little bit of swimming? I know last time we worked together, um, you were kind of working on a little bit of independent swimming. Well, we have a spa at home, but it's not, it's very, very small and it's not a big enough space to swim. She can stand and kind of walk along the step of it, um, but it's not a not a place where she could actually like swim like a crit. Yeah, no, that makes sense. But at least you can still, I mean, you could totally still use that for a lot of the therapies. So um, that's one really good thing. Uh, honestly, like I feel, I don't know if a lot of us really knew how these services were going to pan out. It really just makes me super happy to hear that you've continued to progress and you've met so many goals. Um, and have made strides from like the safety of your home. So it seems like I really have this telemedicine thing down. Uh, what advice would you give families that are nervous about starting telemedicine? Um, I would say go for it. So far it's been working out for us. Um, you know, at Crit we have an extra seven hands. So now we, we kind of have to do it where I'm, I'm helping her more. Um, instead of Daniel, but he walks us through everything and lets us know what she needs to do and how many reps and um, kind of figures everything out. We we work through what equipment we need for each um, telemedicine appointment and what homework we have during the week. Um, so he makes it all uh, easy to follow. So I would just say go for it. That's really good to hear. Yeah, I know. I feel like um, one of my favorite things is just seeing how much parents have grown as well as their, uh, as their patients and their children um, with the telehealth experience. They've been so hands-on. And I mean, sometimes I'm looking at some of these parents and like they're just doing, you know, some really skilled handling. And I'm always so surprised on how, how much people have adapted through this whole pandemic for sure. Um, so I know I was talking a little bit about inclusion and y'all are really... I feel like great advocates for that. Um, Y'all have a disability shirt line, is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Sammy has her own t-shirt website called um, disabilityshirts.com and she is the CEO um, president of the company and she approves all the messages and designs. Her dad and her sister, um, Sarah, worked on the logo and her dad works on all the graphic design because that's his occupation he's a graphic designer um and he kind of lays all things out and asks her okay what colors should these be do you do you approve of this design do you like this message and she gives her thumbs up thumbs down and so everything everything sammy approved on the website <laughs> That is too cool. And speaking about your website, I was looking at it, and honestly, it's way more than just shirts nowadays. I saw like backpacks and hats and all kinds of cool stuff on there. So people definitely need to get on there and, and get some of that stuff. I really like a lot of the messages on there. Um, where can people find your disability shirt line and also just in general continue to track your journey? It's Sammy's 
DisabilityShirts.com. Perfect. Can people find you anywhere else? Uh, on Instagram. That makes sense. What's your handle on Instagram? Is it Sammy.Haney? Uh, yeah, Sammy.Haney. And then I have the Instagram for my cat. <laughs> I don't think they want to <laughs> I totally want the Instagram for your cat. What is okay. your cat's Instagram? Oh and my goodness. I haven't really been posting on there for a long time because I'm kind of really busy these days, but I'll get around to it when I can. No, that makes total sense. Yeah, I'm going to have to go follow your cat. I already follow you on Instagram, but I'm going to have to go follow Wiki for sure. Well, thank you so much for your time and thank y'all for joining us today. Like we really, like I said, I, we can't wait to see your faces back in the clinic, but until then, keep on being awesome, doing your telemedicine for sure. And I'll, I know I'll continue to track your progress on Instagram for sure. Thank you. Thanks thank so much. Y'all have a good day. Thank you. Bye. 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 So Natalie, what did you learn from today's episode? I'll say from Sammy, you know, they have all these resources at home and telemedicine is working really well for them. She is a very busy uh, kid and a very busy family. So for them, telemedicine is the best option and they are able to continue to make it work to keep seeing those gains and that progression for Sammy. But what about you? What did you learn? You know, I felt like, especially with Ryan being a toddler, it was just really difficult for them to have him engaged with the screen. They talked about that a lot, and I can totally feel their pain. I can't imagine having to do speech therapy, you know, um, physical therapy, and occupational therapy for someone that is that young. Um, so I was really happy to hear that they were able to have this hybrid program here at Crip for them where they could have some telemedicine services needed if they had to, but they could also come in and get that hands-on treatment that they really, uh, really needed. Yeah, so I hope you found this information super helpful. Honestly, um, find what's best for your family in this season of your life. If it happens to be in clinic, um, reach out to your clinic and see what they're doing to keep you and your family safe. And honestly, just find out um, how safe they're being as far as cleanliness, um, temperature checks, all of the above. And if you're looking toward telehealth, see how you can talk to your therapist to make telehealth work for you. Be open and be willing to try a lot of new different things. Um, as a nonprofit, we could not do what we get to do without your support. So please visit us at CritUSA.org for more information on our organization, as well as to find the link to donate. And we would love to hear feedback from you. As mentioned, we are a podcast to serve you. We are reserving the final portion of each episode to hear from you. Uh, you can also email us with your questions or topics you'd like us to cover. So that's going to be at podcast at critusa.org. Thanks. For more information about the re-eval, please visit critusa.org. Thank you for listening. The information presented on this podcast is not intended to be used as medical advice. Please continue to follow the recommendations of your physician and or other healthcare providers. Please refer to your physician prior to initiating any modifications to your current healthcare regimens. Mm -hmm.